Game of Thrones, Season 6, Episode 8. No one is over, but we're just getting started here on the Game of Thrones post-show recap here on postshowrecaps.com. And now, here are the two guys who are certainly a couple of Nancy boys. I'm Rob Sestrino. Here is Josh Wiggler. Josh, how are you? I'm I'm doing well. Had a decent dinner, though typically I prefer chicken. Uh, so I'm a little disappointed about that. Yes. Oh, boy. Well, we've got a lot to get to tonight. How about a, a, a waif? You prefer a, a chicken wafer? Wafers? Chicken-flavored wafers? I don't think I've ever heard of that before. <laughs> no. No. That sounds like, that sounds like real hound food. Yeah. Dog food. So... Josh, uh, a lot to talk about tonight. Uh, the waif is gone. The blackfish is gone. And a lot of other uh, possibilities and theories are gone. And a lot to talk about here tonight on the Game of Thrones post-show recap. Yeah, that Arya thing ended up being fairly straightforward. <laughs> yeah, yep, 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 yep. Stephen Fishback and I talked about all the different scenarios. I read uh, theory after theory on the internet. And just goes to show you, not everything you read on the internet is true. Now, that is going to be bad for business for us, I think, because that's really what we have been trading on for the past couple of years, is that everything you hear right here on Poster Recaps is going to be factually accurate. Mm -hmm. Apparently, maybe not. Yeah, well, to be fair, I think that Stephen and I, as we went through all of the possible theories, we were pretty much like, "Ah, that, yeah, that is a theory, but I don't think, I don't see how that's right. I don't see how that's right. We didn't come up with anything that we landed on in terms of how Arya was going to get out of that jam. Who knew? Just some chicken soup and a Band-Aid. Just, yeah, the power of chicken soup is really, really strong. I mean, uh, you've, you've heard that chicken soup is good for the soul, uh, but apparently it's good for holes in your belly as well. That will heal you right up. Some yeah. crane soup. If only the Lady Crane had been a guest at the Red Wedding. I feel like <laughs> the whole course of Game of Thrones could have been radically different. I still think that Rob Stark would have had problems, you know, like getting his head cut off and like having a direwolf head reattached to his body. I don't know if chicken soup is that powerful, but it would have been nice to see them try. That would have been nice. Uh, What are you going to do? All right. So we got a lot to do here tonight. We are live. Hashtag PS recaps also on our YouTube channel at postshowrecaps.com slash YouTube and uh, a lot of stuff to go through. And Josh, uh, let's not bury the lead. This is the first time since the door, hold the door, that Josh Wiggler is back on a podcast with me talking about an episode of Game of Thrones. Uh, on a live show at live the very show. least. But yeah, we've, ha- we've had two weeks in between where Antonio Mazzaro has been holding the door down. So thank you, Maester Mazzaro. Great stuff on your end. But Rob, I missed you. This is fun. It's great to be live again. Great to be live once again. Uh, and here we are after episode number eight. Josh, just two weeks left. 14 days from now, we'll be talking about a supersized finale of Game of Thrones. Yeah, uh, this season has flown by. It has just been feeling like it's been going so fast all the way through. And still, like nothing prepares you for the fact that you're up to the penultimate episode. And the penultimate episode of any given season is typically the biggest episode of any season. Last year was the big exception with Hard Home coming in at episode eight. And that was really the massive episode of that year. But here we are. We're on the cusp of episode nine. By all accounts, I don't know how much we want to get into that. Maybe later. The preview for episode nine looks pretty colossally huge. Uh, So I think that, you know, the season has gone really fast. But these next two episodes that we're going to get into feels like there's going to be a lot to sink our teeth into. Lots of chicken soup to feast on in the coming episode. All right. So that being said, uh, let's jump into talking about uh, the Aria Bowl uh, that happened tonight. It was Aria versus the Waif. 
Josh, uh, what was your take on all of this? Because to me, I, I felt like a little bit sort of cheated in that Arya sort of had the uh, Wolverine powers of healing to get get over, you know, five or six stab wounds from a trained assassin to the gut last episode. Uh, she turns out just sleep on it, rub some dirt on it. You'll be okay. Uh, she engages in a chase around uh, Bravos, which I did not find to be particularly great, the chase. Uh, and then uh-huh. we get to Arya versus the Waif uh, in the dark. Yeah, you didn't like the T-1000 aspect of it. You didn't like that this was kind of a Arya 2 Judgment Day. That wasn't you. That wasn't scratching any <laughs> I mean, I certainly... I certainly had that same exact thought. I mean, why does the waif, when Arya is far away from her, she can run, but as she gets closer to Arya, she starts going very slow. I did not really understand uh, what Arya... or Busting out the the Batman walk. The whole thing to me was, uh, poor Lady Crane, why did she have to get even involved with all of this? That she ends up taking care of Arya, and what does she get for her troubles? I don't know. Like, she gets, like... She certainly gets killed. Like, how did she get killed? Like, I'm just like that mental image of her with like the chair and being collapsed. It looked like her throat was slit, but it also kind of looked like she was impaled on some chair stools. It just looked really awful. I'm going to have to go back and watch the tape and see exactly how Lady Crane died. But it looked very, very graphic. And yet she didn't scream at all. Uh, So that's just a testament to the fact that the waif is probably really good at killing people. Is she though? I mean, the, uh, the waif. Not very good at killing Arya, but good no, at killing everybody I mean, else. She sneaks into Lady Crane's house, has to wear a disguise. Does Lady Crane know the waif? <laughs> Lady Crane sees, and uh, I believe it was Alex Kidwell who said, Is that Carrie always? Is that, <laughs> yeah. uh, is that Wesley? The I thought it was David Spade. Yeah. And then uh, she gets in, and then Arya, all of a sudden, I mean, she's basically like Spider Man running around Bravos, even without being stabbed a bunch of times. She goes down to the streets, and nobody like pulls her side, like, little girl, what are you doing? You knocked over every orange in Bravos. And then there's another, you know, girl just walking down the street, like uh, jumping off walls, trying to terrorize her. Uh, we did get the payoff uh, to the candle business. I did like the, like the final execution of it. But I just felt like it took a long way to get there. It took a long way to get there. Uh, I'll tell you what. I mean, that made it easier for me to recap tonight. So we're on a little bit earlier. So I'm not complaining on that level. Uh, but it did It did feel, I don't know, it, it felt like it went really quickly. Um, it felt like, uh, I think a lot of people probably felt like there should have been a little more payoff in terms of Arya versus the Waif, the actual fight between them. And Arya cuts the candle and we cut to black. And the next thing we know, we're in the House of Black and White. So I think maybe some people are frustrated by that aspect. I'm really good with that part. I like that the next thing you see is the Waif's freaking face pinned up in the Hall of Faces. I thought that that was pretty sweet. But what did you think? Did you want to see the actual physical duel between Arya and Arya 2, the final fight? No, I'm fine with it. I felt like you could have gotten this right after Arya in episode six blows out the candle after she does not end up killing Lady Crane. I felt like that last week's episode was uh, completely unnecessary in terms of Arya buying a a spot on the ship and then getting stabbed and having to go to Lady Crane. I felt like you had Arya in the dark with the candle. The waif could have just shown up 
at Arya's door. She found her. She's an assassin. Blow out the candle. Kill the waif. And I feel like we could have saved an episode of this story, which we really just stretched out Arya and versus the waif for over three episodes. You know, it stretches out for a little while, for sure. And I can see that point completely. But I think one of the things that's great about it is I think that it kind of sums up Arya's journey. This is a young kid who got gut-stabbed several, several times emotionally throughout her run. She watched her own father die. She was this close to reuniting with her brother and her mom. And then they're brutally murdered, basically right in front of her. She sees her brother's body being paraded around with Grey Wind's head on it. She has just been through the ringer. You know, time after time after time, she has been stabbed in the gut. And yet she keeps running. She improbably keeps surviving. She keeps fighting her way through. And somehow she always finds her way through the other side of the darkness and is still standing. We get a very literal version of that across the end of last week's episode and the main action in the Arya story this week. So I like that it kind of plays that metaphor out in a pretty literal way. I can understand people being a little frustrated by it. But I don't mind it that much. It didn't, it, didn't, uh, it didn't stick in my craw the way that it seems to, or my Lady Crane the way that it seems to for, uh, for so many people. But um, I definitely understand people who thought it was a little frustrating. I think that it was a cool statement on where Arya has been and maybe where she's going now that she has survived all of this. Now that she's survived all of that metaphorically mm-hmm. and now physically, what's the next move for Arya? And it seems like the next move is home. And that's exciting. Well, I think that the reason why there was frustration with this storyline, I think that a lot of people came out of last week like, hold on, there's no way Arya could be so dumb as to be out in broad daylight buying passage back to Westeros. She had to have known that the waif is coming for her. Why wouldn't she be carrying needle with her? She has her sword. Obviously, this she's one step ahead of the waif. Or, no, that's not Arya, that's Jack and Hagar, because he wants the waif to do something. It's like, nope, Arya was just kind of careless about the whole thing after she was so excited about going back to Westeros. She just kind of forgot for a little while the waif could be anybody and could be trying to kill her. I don't know. I think that's a lot to put on Arya. And I mean, listen, I certainly have my own theories about this show, and they don't always play out as expected, and I get disappointed. But I think that... Oftentimes, that's more a me thing than the show. I think to expect Arya to be this crazy super genius who was gaming the wave the whole time, while that could have been really fun, I don't know that that's necessarily in line with Arya's character. Arya is, at best, like a 16-year-old kid. Uh, She's probably younger than that. Give the kids some credit. Also, Bravos is a big city. Uh, you know, she certainly, it, it would have helped if Arya had been wandering around wearing a different face. Maybe that would have been a smart thing to do. Whoa. I don't know if she could have just like yanked one while she was walking around on the streets. I don't think that that really works. Uh, but I don't know. I think that feels a lot like the weeks between, as, as much as Game of Thrones goes fast during the season, those weeks can be really long between episodes. And we think a lot about what's going on in the cliffhangers and possible theories of where stories are going. And it just so happens that the Arya one was fairly straightforward. And I think that because it didn't have a more creative, outside-the-box solution, maybe that feels a little more disappointing. It's it's fine. You know, I wasn't one of the uh, the truthers on the Aria theories at, at all. I, I shot down all the ones that I heard. I just was a little disappointed with what it just actually turned out to be. But in terms of Aria's journey to Bravos, which began at the end of season four, Josh, it has been now eighteen episodes in Bravos. Uh, was the juice worth the squeeze as Aria heads back to the West? I don't think it was. 
instinct like my first instinct is no my first instinct is this is a lot of time to spend in bravos for aria if she's not coming back with anything physically new i think she's coming back with a renewed sense of self i think she's coming back feeling like yeah i am aria stark and i've got business to attend to back home and that's great but did we need 18 episodes with the faceless men to get there uh not convinced that we did um, but maybe there's going to be some sort of sucker punch later on down the line. Maybe this isn't completely over. But as it stands, if it was just to get Arya feeling a little more firmly Arya, then, yeah, it felt like a long time to have her in Bravos. I mean, I kind of feel like that at the point she went to Bravos, she was at this same exact spot in terms of that she left the Hound for dead. She had a spring in her step. She was on the side of the boat looking off into the distance like, Bravos, here I come. I'm ready to take on the world. Where it seems as though she's leaving. She's a, maybe a better fighter now. I think that's maybe you could say that. Oh, yeah. She's, I mean, she's well-trained. Yeah, she's a good killer now. I mean, she was always a good killer, but she's a great killer. Okay. All right. So uh, that's the Arya storyline. Uh, but Jack and Agar took it all pretty well. Yeah, he was like, hey, good for you. Look what you did. That was awesome. Yeah. Big yeah. thumbs up. I mean, Very proud yeah, Jack of you. and Agar's like, ah, oh, well, uh, you know, you, you got one over on the wave. <laughs> I didn't like her anyway, so thanks for that. I appreciate yeah, it. Thanks for that. I mean, she was my number one assistant, and now I'll have to find somebody new. But, uh, you know, oh, it's been re- fun. Replaceable. It's been fun. Very replaceable. Let me know if you need a letter of recommendation anywhere. They're, gonna, they're just going to find Arya 3, and everything's going to be fine. <laughs> All right. All right. So let's then uh, talk about a, a bunch of other uh, big stories uh, tonight. You want to talk about the uh, the end of the siege on River Run and the departure of the Blackfish, uh, Jamie and Brienne reunion? Oh, R.I.P. Blackfish. I'm glad at least the backfish is alive and well. But that seems to be that seems to be it for Brendan Tully. No more. Yet the River Run story happened really in a blink of an eye, it felt like. And you got to wonder, what was what good came out of Brienne going to the Riverlands other than to say goodbye to Jamie Lannister? Uh, it felt like, you know, this, this whole thing that they'd been making a little bit of a big deal of was wrapped up pretty quickly. And man, Ed Murtoli, grow a spine, guy. Figure that out. Figure yourself out. Okay, Josh, could you fill me in? I mean, what do you think that Jamie told him that made Edmure Tully uh, go in and do what he well, did? Well, in fairness, Jamie did threaten something pretty awful. You know, Jamie is talking to him. And he's like, hey, I hear you have a son. Good for you. And it turns out that Edmure got his wife pregnant on the night of the Red Wedding. So the Red Wedding was a terrible night for so many people. But for Edmure, it was okay. Uh, so he has like an infant child. I would think he would have heard something. I mean, I kind of feel like they sort of like leave the room. Close the door. Right. Uh, you think that you would have heard some of the red wedding of it all? Edmure Tully has very bad hearing. Uh, earwax, <laughs> earwax buildup. It's a real problem. I guess yeah. so. Uh, He's got a one track mind. One track right. mind. Yeah, he was just like, yes, I got the hot phrase, sister. This is going to be great. Uh, so he did his thing. He has a baby now. That's like the only good thing that came out of any of this. He hasn't seen his child in this entire time that he's been held captive. And Jamie basically says to him, if you don't go into River Run right now and get them to surrender, I'm going to call for your baby and I'm going to catapult him into River Run. Uh, that's a pretty visceral threat. So, yeah, you know, that's, that's bad. That's bad. That would be very bad if Jamie did. I don't feel like the Jamie Lannister we know now would do that. Then again, Jamie Lannister did push a 10 year old boy out a window in the very first episode of this show. 
So who knows what Jamie's capable of? Oh, I think that Jamie would tell you what he's capable of. He said last week that, like, uh, what kind of a threat is it when you threaten to do something and then aren't willing to do? Like, if I tell you to stop talking or I'll punch you in the face, and the guy kept talking and he punched him in the face. So I think that Jamie is very willing to do whatever he says he's going to do. But for Edmure, I mean, did it come down to all those times where the blackfish said, ah, you could kill him? Yeah. Go for it. I don't care. I think think that's got to be a part of it. I don't think that the blackfish and Edmure had a lot of love lost between them even before that. The first time you see either of these guys on the show is back in season three when the Lord of House Tully has died and they're kind of giving him like the Viking funeral and Edmure can't hit him with the flaming arrow and the blackfish is just like, oh, Edmure, you're the worst. Let me do this. So I think that they never really cared for each other to begin with. So where does this storyline go now? So now the Lannisters or the Freys are holding River Run. Where do we go from here with this? Yeah, well, I think that Jamie was basically saying, like, I want to wrap this up fast. I want to get I want to get this done as quickly as you and me possible. both, Jamie. <laughs> yeah, well, listen, if, if only Dorn could have gone this quickly, right? If only they could have answered the Dorn story in two episodes. But Jamie... Uh, you know, he said, like, I got to get back to King's Landing. I got to solve this problem here in River Run, and then I got to go back to King's Landing. Cersei needs me. So I think that Jamie's just going to be riding back to King's Landing and couldn't be happening any sooner. Very good thing that he is getting to go back there very soon because things certainly look bleak there. But as for why we needed this story here in the Riverlands, I really don't have anything great to say. Like, I, I feel like this was a story that, um, you know, this is a story from the books. It's a lot longer in the books. It's kind of ongoing in the books. And it's done in two episodes here on the show. Felt very fast to me. Not really sure what the grand scheme point is. Other than it was nice to get Jamie and Brienne back in the same scene together. I'll tell you what. I don't have any complaints about this. I'm I'm, okay. fi- I'm fine with this. You know, okay. if it's going to be short and we're kind of like, oh, I don't know what the point was. It was worth the ride because it was fun to see Jamie and Brienne back together. Don't tell me it wasn't fun to see Jamie and Bronn on this trip. It was really great to see Bronn and Pod back. Don't together. yeah, don't tell me that, that wasn't was great. That yeah. was great. That was really fun. I I liked that. I liked uh yeah, I I the Bronn and Podrick bromance I think is underrated. Yeah, no that was really good. Uh and then we had at the end of the episode uh Brienne is trying to get the Blackfish to get in the boat with her and he's like, "No, nah, no, nah, I can't." Uh so they just leave. And then you had like that long, like wistful goodbye between uh, Jamie and Brienne on the boat. Uh, felt like Pod could have been rowing the boat a little faster. Who's a better rower, Podrick or Gendry? <laughs> I think Gendry is probably still rowing. And Pod is really just like, you know, out on Central Park, uh, just like going for a little leisurely. <laughs> like they're close enough where Jamie can like distinctly make out, hey, uh, that's Brienne and Pod rowing away here on the river. Uh, I think that they would have get a little pep in their step, or maybe have Brienne take over the rowing. So you're saying that this like morning training and night training, an hour in the morning and an hour at night that Brienne and Pod are doing, they should really introduce the rowing machine into the routine, right? Or maybe they already did their training and they could have just done a cardio day, so uh-huh. that Podrick <laughs> would have some strength saved up to row the boat out of there. Right. Right. Yeah. <laughs> that would that would have been good. Do you think that that's going to end up being the point of the River Run story is because Brienne and Pod now are going to row right into Gendry? And it's like, oh, hey, come with us. Uh, that would be good. But where did Gendry take off from? From Dragonstone? I don't know if he's going to be on the river there. 
yeah, I don't know how that's going to happen, but maybe he's just like this majestic rower where improbable things happen to him. On hey, the look, season. tis the season of characters we haven't seen in about three years just showing up fine like nothing happened. Yeah, the I Gendry mean- <laughs> next would be not so crazy. You know, speaking of that, like there was like there had to have been at least during this week, at least like a half of a half an ounce of thought put into the idea that like Serio Pharrell is just going to show up and save Arya. So mm-hmm. The fact that that didn't happen, I feel like broke a trend on Game of Thrones this season that like this old forgotten character didn't suddenly spring back to life to save the day. Speaking of old forgotten characters that spring back to life, uh, let's talk about Beric Dondarrion. He's back as well. And we talked about last week, boy, uh, the Brotherhood Without Manners just showing up and killing everybody. And then uh, he said, what's with these guys now? They're bad guys now? Turns they went out, rogue. They went rogue. Or no, rogue, couple, if you'd like. A couple of bad apples in the Brotherhood. Yeah, a bad lemon cloak. <laughs> yes. One really sour lemon. Yeah, so those guys uh, were just uh, giving the Brotherhood Without Banners a bad name. Uh, lots of a, a killing spree uh, for the Hound tonight. The Hound was back. Uh, You know, it seemed like the Hound was at least in retirement or, you know, totally put to bed for a little while. And then Brother Ray died and the Hound was reborn. He picked up that axe and he was ready to kick ass. And he took he took it. He took some of these guys down in pretty epic ways. He like cleaved one guy's head off with one swing of this little hand axe. That was crazy. Uh, it's yeah. always fun to see the Hound in action. He is a he is a memorable memorable character. That guy. It's great to have him back on Game of Thrones. I will say there is uh, certainly a trope on Game of Thrones at this point where it's a little bit sort of like 1980s horror movie uh, where I think that the people who are out there like there's a little bit of a puritanical view from the world of Game of Thrones where yeah anybody who's just like uh, so. Uh, it was me and this prostitute over in the brothel, okay? And then, like, that character is dead by the end of that scene. Yeah. Uh, like, any time that there's, like, between, like, two common folks, there's, like, any sort of, uh, like, bragging about sexual escapades. Ribbled one, talk, yeah. Yeah, yeah. one or more people will get killed. That's why, like, what's, it's, it's not gentlemanly to have these kinds of conversations, and in the world of Game of Thrones, you pay for it. You know who I felt bad for? The guy who was just trying to get some uh, some love advice from the other guy. And, yeah. and he seemed like, uh, you know, he was really earnest about it. And the guy's like, okay, you do this, you do this. And then all of a sudden, uh, you know. You got the whoop to do Right, right. Uh, first off, I, I first off, I'd be like, "Joke's on you, buddy." I don't, I don't know about <laughs> like, <laughs> oh, gross. Uh, right. I mean, what, what is that? <laughs> what is that? Like, uh, yeah, find the nearest uh, bar of soap now. <laughs> yeah, clean up. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Time, to, time to clean up. Uh, you know, find, yeah, like a hand-washing station would be great after that. But, yeah, what an, what an unpleasant final few seconds of life for that guy who got his head cut off and got violated in this way. I don't think he was really asking for that. Uh, no. Yeah, it was bad. It was very bad. Did not ask for it. All right, yeah. so the Hound, uh, I thought it was a funny scene between him and Beric Dondarrion, at least. Uh, like, the business of the scene of the negotiation between how many of those guys that the Hound was going to get to kill. Yeah, and I also like the Hound basically saying, like, oh, this is so annoying. There used to be a time where I would just, like, gut all of you just so I could gut these guys. But I'm a different guy, trying to be cool, trying to keep it cool right now. The Hound is turned over a new leaf. Uh, yeah, it was great. It was just great to see Beric Dondarrion and Thoros back again. Didn't really expect to see those guys. And uh, they, uh, you, you forget 
so many details about this show, but those two characters have a lot of history with the Hound from that one trial by combat um, back in season four, uh, or maybe yeah, season three, in fact. Um, and it's it's great to see like this totally different view of these three people in relation to each other. Where it was very antagonistic once upon a time, and now here we have Barrack and Thoros being like. Yo, Sandor Clegane, you're a badass, and we need as many badasses as we can get. Please join the Brotherhood Without Banners. And the Hound basically, it seems like, is on board with this. Yeah, well, he's got nothing else to do. <laughs> His Brotherhood is dead. Uh, yeah. brother, the Brother Ray with Banners is gone. Uh, so Hound, the Hound needs a, a new crew to, to jam with. And what's great is he's going to go north. He's going to go fight some White Walkers. How awesome is it going to be to see the Hound in that atmosphere? I feel like that's a really great spot for the Hound. Get him up near the wall. Get him fighting those guys. I think that's going to be good. So are we getting a Hound reunion with Sansa? That would be a good guess, I think. I mean, she's in the north. He's heading north. They have history together as well. Uh, I think that you could you could very easily see the Hound and Sansa fighting on the same side. And I think that you could see them aligning with each other. And I think that that would be certainly going to be very exciting for a lot of Game of Thrones fans on Tumblr. I think a lot of people are going to be really happy about that. <laughs> okay, uh, we'll see uh, where that goes. But what's in it for the Brotherhood Without Banners? I mean, we've brought these people back now at this point, Joshua. Oh, I, where is their story taking them? Well, I mean, we don't know what they've been up to since we've seen them last. Uh, Obviously, some people in the Brotherhood have gone rogue and have been operating on their own. And those guys, you know, got handled the way they got handled. But what have they been doing in the meantime? We haven't heard a ton about them recently. Um, But Beric and Thoros are saying, look, Lord of Light is telling us that there is some icy nonsense going up near that wall. And we need to go take care of that. And I think that you're seeing on the show, as far as Meereen, you're seeing a lot of red priests talking about the great war. And you saw that woman, Kinvara, a few episodes going to Tyrion and being like, yeah, Daenerys is the one who's promised and we have to fight this big battle. So I think that the Lord of Light disciples seem to all be on message with there is some really awful thing that is about to come and hit the land of the living and we need to go take care of the dead before we're all dead. And Thoros and Beric seem to be heading that way. I mean, I don't know why they weren't already on their way there. It feels like that probably would have been a wise thing to do to get there a little sooner, but they're on their way, and the Hound is going there, and I think that a lot of our stories, a lot of our main stories, not all of them, are pushing toward the North. And I think um, I think at some point, you know, whether it's next season or if it's the season after that, you know, allegedly there's two final seasons of Game of Thrones coming up, I feel like when we get to those opening credit sequences in the future... It's like all like all the wandering around the map. I think it's all going to be pretty isolated there in the north. Uh, super isolated. Isolated. Yeah. <laughs> Very good. So, all right, let's go back down to King's Landing and talk about uh, the latest happenings there. And we ended up seeing uh, a little bit of action for uh, Sir Robert Strong this week as, uh, as Cersei is requested, her presence is requested by the High Sparrow, uh, Cousin Lancel, uh, tries to summon her, and uh, she denies that request. Were you happy to not see the High Sparrow in this episode? Were you happy to yeah. get a break? Where from was the High he Sparrow? today? His day off. Yeah. So even on the, the seventh day, uh, the High Sparrow rests. Yeah, he rests. He he puts on shoes on that day. All right. So uh, it was good to see uh, Sir Robert Strong actually do something. Uh, interesting to see uh, somebody try to come at Sir Robert Strong 
with an axe, uh, the weapon of choice by uh, his brother, the Hound, at this point. Yeah, man. Listen, that Clegane Bowl hype is still real, I think, even though Trial by Combat has been taken off the board. I've never been a proponent of Trial by Combat and the Clegane Bowl have to be the same thing. I still think that we're going to get the two Clegane brothers. I think those guys are going to fight. Uh, and I think that that's a great call out that someone is using an axe against Robert Strong. And that is what the hound was using in this episode. But man, it was so great to see the mountain in action. And he didn't, you know, pop anybody's head the way that he did with the Red Viper. But that was still a pretty slick move. That was a pretty great Mortal Kombat fatality. Just like pulling the guy's head off and tossing it away. And everyone else mm-hmm. in the Faith Milton was like, yeah, let's not fight this guy. Let's go. Let's go home. Let's also rest today. Yeah. Cersei has good reactions to all that stuff, too. Oh, she loved it. She's like, oh, that's great. <laughs> yeah. So she goes and, uh, you know, Tommen has a, uh, you know, uh, the State of the Kingdom address. And uh, Cersei can't even get good seats anymore. She has to go sit in the uh, press box yeah, with the ladies. Back row Cersei. Yeah, back row Cersei. And so she's back there. And, uh, you know, he has to mention that, by the way, uh, I'm changing the rules. No more trial by combat. We're going to have a trial, which I found to be terrible news, Josh. Yeah, I feel like Cersei's reaction to that is not unsimilar to Ralphie from A Christmas Story when he spills all the gears out on the side of the road. Oh, fudge. Except I didn't say fudge. (laughs) It's my reaction, too, because a trial is going to be very boring. Yeah, trial is going to be pretty boring. We're not going to get to a trial, are we? Are we actually going to see another trial on this show? I I still feel like this thing is going to get wrapped up before we get there. Okay. Well, how it will get wrapped up, uh, I'm not so sure. We saw Kyburn talk to Cersei about, uh, were those rumors that we were talking about? Was that, were those true? It is very true. Yeah, very double true. Double true. Yeah, double true. Triple true. More true than you think. Uh, yeah, what do you think, Rob? What's your theory about what Cersei and Kyburn are up to? Lots of theories out there on the interwebs right now. I mean, I got to feel like that the leading theory is that uh, Cersei is trying to uh, come up with some way to strike back at the people of King's Landing. Right, yeah. I, oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. She's definitely going to take this out on people. And anyone who's ever crossed Cersei... I think she's going to try and make those people very, very sorry. The leading theory that I'm seeing right now, and this was actually floated out by Terry Schwartz earlier in the week, and she just wrote a great article about it, Game of Thrones Book Club co-host Terry Schwartz, is could it be wildfire? Is Cersei looking into the wildfire situation? Is that what she's going to be bringing to King's Landing? I think that's a pretty good theory. Yeah, well, you and I talked about back in, uh, or when we did the feedback show, of brands visions and we saw yeah. king's landing uh with wildfire and we said well that hasn't happened yet and we said well is it like sort of like was it just sort of like trying to depict what the mad king was trying to do is this a vision from the future right uh we said boy well it just seems weird that they would do that but all of a sudden that's starting to make a lot of sense yeah you could see it you totally could and i think that there's even a line from jamie in this episode i think our philly pointed this out to me that there's a line from jamie in the episode where cersei says like she would burn everybody to the ground to protect her family uh, you know, you don't just like toss that line out there, you know, at, on a whim. Like, I feel like that's not just like a throwaway line. I think that setting up Cersei is preparing some fiery vengeance. And I think that's going to be pretty sweet. Uh, it's probably going to be pretty awful for everybody who's in King's Landing. But I think in terms of uh, pushing the story forward, I think that's going to be pretty cool. But Josh, to me, that seems like a perfectly rational Cersei decision 
if something happens to Tommen, where Tommen dies, the prophecy comes true, all three of her children are dead. Right. I have nothing left to live for. Burn it all. F you guys. Burn it all. Burn them all. Feel the burn. Uh, but if if Tommen still lives, if Tommen still reigns, I can't see Cersei doing this. Well, I mean, I don't know if she's just, you know, thinking about burning King's Landing to the ground or if she's like thinking about wildfire as a highly targeted thing and she's going to just like go specifically after the Faith Militant and go after the High Sparrow. Um but the thing is, is that wildfire would be very difficult to control. So I, right. I, I think that like you could very easily see this would be perfectly Cersei. It's totally her M.O. to think that she is doing something super targeted, razor smart, just like this really incredibly carefully planned thing. And it just burns and spirals out of her control. I could really see that happening. I don't know that it would necessarily be Cersei's just like burn everything. Screw everybody. I'm going home. Um, I think that it could be, here's my last attempt at power, and then that could go really wrong. That could go really, uh, that could get really out of her hands at a certain point. Let me just ask you, uh, without going too much into anything from the preview, do you feel like that next week's episode is all in the North? We didn't see John, Sansa, Winterfell, anything uh, at the wall this week. Do you feel like next week is all wall, I, all, all North, all Winterfell? I mean, we've been there before. We've done that before. We did that with the wall. We did that back in season four. Uh, back in season two, Blackwater, the penultimate, that was all King's Landing. So I could definitely see nine being all Jon Snow story. Uh, there wasn't one scene in the preview, I don't believe, of anything but stuff from the north. Right, I, but I think that that could also mean that, like, just that storyline is something worth hyping. Like that whole sequence is going to be so huge that that's the only thing that they really want to hype up. But I also think it's totally possible that we get nothing but the north, which would mean. We've got nothing, you know, we've got only one episode to resolve all these other storylines. So, you know, now that now the season feels extra short, but a supersized final episode, right? Gi- giant size, as they would say in Marvel Com. One one. Yeah. <laughs> uh, oh, one one, one, one si- final episode. One one size finale. Yeah. All right. Uh, and then the other thing going on tonight was the, all the stuff in Marine and boy, I mean, Tyrion, uh, he let the dragons out, but it's really been a, kind of a slow... We, you know, we both love the Dink. Love um, the Dink. The Dink Huge is man. great. But uh, some of these, uh, you know, the Dink with with Grey Worm and uh, Missandei... Are you trying to say... Really, are you trying to say this season that the Dink stinks? Are we talking about some, stink, <laughs> some stinky Dink he this year? He, he doesn't stink, uh-huh. but I mean, it's kind of like a little bit like, hey, uh, you know... Winter is coming. Let's keep the ball moving here. Right. There hasn't been a ton to do with Tyrion this year, and I think that that has fallen on the decision to play out this whole Meereen storyline over the course of the season rather than trying to wrap it up earlier. Uh, This storyline is referred to by fans as the Meereenese not for a reason, referred to by George R. R. Martin as that uh, as well, and I think it's because it's a complicated story and it's difficult to untangle, and unfortunately, with the way things are, with that story, there's just not a ton for Tyrion to do until it gets resolved. Um, but that's fine. That's fine. I, I understand it's a, a you know a, a sticky situation. But you know, knock knock jokes. I feel like are not the answer here. Who told the best joke tonight? Was that uh, I thought Missandei's was pretty good. Missandei was pretty good. I just feel like we're doing like you know. Uh, Lieutenant Commander Data, like uh, season three material here with uh, Grey Worm and Missandei. Yeah, did Grey Worm get the emotion chip? 
<laughs> He's going. That's next week. That's next week. <laughs> but I, I felt like that some of these jokes were really like we went on and on and on and, and and trying to get them to drink. I just feel like we've already visited this this season. This idea. Yeah. No. They literally had a scene earlier this season of Tyrion desperately trying to get Missandei and Grey Worm to drink. Uh, and here, here we are. Like, what is he trying to do with them once they get drunk? Here's the good news. The good news is uh, the the fit is hitting the Shan in Meereen right now. You've got right. all of the slavers are rolling up just when Tyrion least expected it, thought that things were cool in Meereen, thought that he had resolved everything. Turns out he does not know this region of the world as well as he thought. You would think that his mishandling of um, of the Valyrian language would have been a tip-off that he doesn't fully get this culture. Uh, but the slavers are here. They want their property. They are ready to tear up Meereen. And just as these ships are sailing up, we now have Daenerys flying in. Uh, Daenerys is back. You got to assume Drogon is here. Got to assume the Dothraki are not far behind. There's two dragons that are, you know, free and walking around in the dungeons. Got to imagine those dragons are going to get unleashed as well. On top of it, you have this slaver fleet. But you also have the Greyjoy fleet that we know Yara and Theon want to come to Meereen and forge an alliance with Daenerys. So it's been a stretched out story. It has been a slow story this season. But you have to feel good about the odds of the final act of this story, at least for this season, being fairly explosive with Dragonfire and Greyjoys getting in the mix. I'm really excited about that, even if it took us a really long while to get here. Right, but it looked like that Drogon dropped off Danny in the pyramid and then was like off to like go pick up his next Druber passenger. <laughs> like where like where the hell was he going? Well, like I didn't see him think- blasting all those ships in the bay. Well, he's waiting he's awaiting orders. You know, they're going to Where is he going? <laughs> kill them kill them all, burn them all. She's a Targaryen? Yeah. Oh, well, I think that that's probably the next move. You know, it didn't happen in this episode. There was not enough time or budget to do that in this episode, but you got to feel pretty good about that being the next step. You would think so. So what do you think is more likely to happen? Drogon, Greyjoys, or combined attack? Combined attack. I think that it's going to be, we're going to see the Greyjoys help out. We're going to see the dragons help out. I think that's how we're going to get our thousand ships for Daenerys. The Greyjoys are going to come in. The good news, too, is like if they can conquer a bunch of these slavers, maybe it behooves them not to destroy all of these ships because it's like, Hey, let's kill all these slavers and steal their ships and row them back to Westeros. That seems like Maybe a pretty... Maybe Drogon can just eat people off the ship. Yeah, just, just like swoop in and scorch some people and, and make it happen, yeah. The Danny tyrion relationship, uh, when she hears about how badly uh, Tyrion screwed this up, I mean, what's her move? Banish him? Uh, awkward. Yeah, I think it's going to be uncomfortable. Uh, I feel like just for story purposes... She's got to she's got to at least like loosely forgive him or forgive him enough to bring him along to Westeros. We're not stranding Tyrion Lannister in Essos this season. Yeah. You know, that would really uh, no, not that strand. <laughs> strand. Oh, okay. strand. strand. Yeah, maybe he will find the Abigail. Yeah. Tyrion. Yeah. Uh, I don't th- I don't think that's what's happening. I think Tyrion has to go back to Westeros. So maybe Danny's going to be angry enough to turn him into a prisoner and he'll be a high-value prisoner or something like that, but you can't Imagine that she is going to be psyched about how he politically handled this situation. He really, you know, set Meereen up for for a big fall here. Uh, did you feel like Tyrion was breaking the fourth wall when he said to, to Varys uh, that, uh, no, not the most popular dwarf in the city, most popular in the world. Most famous in the world. Yes. Yeah, life and art, they imitate each other sometimes. <laughs> 
Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, where's Varys going, Josh? No idea. Great question. Um, he says, like, we need more ships. We need some friends in Westeros. I'm going to go handle that. Who is he going to befriend? Who does he want to make nice with? I don't know. Where Where is his landing spot in uh, in in Westeros? Is it a, a King's Landing spot? A King's Landing spot. <laughs> uh, I don't think that he's exactly welcome there. Uh, so if I'm Varys, I'm going anywhere but King's Landing. King's Landing is not my King's Landing spot. Maybe go to maybe go to the north. That's where all of the hustle and bustle seems to be. Maybe you can recruit some Starks. Like if he, you know, maybe he feels like if he's heard enough about this White Walker action, maybe he wants to go north. I don't know. Maybe he's gonna try and recruit the Greyjoys. Maybe he's gonna come sailing back on a Greyjoy ship. Yeah, it's interesting. I mean, if you sort of like open up the possibilities, uh, Nunya Business in the chat room is saying Dorn for sure. Oh, I mean, interesting. That would be sort of interesting. Yeah, of uh, there's been a longstanding uh, relationship between the Targaryens and Dorn. That's good. So that's a possibility that maybe if he could recruit them to come back into it, um, maybe, you know, with everything going on with if he could somehow get to well, what's going on at the Citadel. I feel like Sam might be an interesting ally for Varys. That would be fun. I'd be into Saris. I mean, you could tie that back into everything going on at the wall uh, with uh, Sam being down there. I'm not sure how he would know to go look for him there, but I think that uh, wherever Varys lands should be interesting. Yeah, I'm looking forward to finding out what his King's Landing spot is. Anything else from this week's episode? No, you want to hit some, hit some cues? All right, let's get the questions up and uh, let's dive in. Uh, hashtag PS recaps. Uh, why don't we start off with uh, Fernando who wants to say Cersei loves Jamie, Jamie loves Cersei, Brienne loves Jamie, Tormund loves Brienne. I love Tormund, but he's going to die. What? Oh, why? No. Why is Tormund? No. Why does he have to die? Fernando, yeah. that's negative thinking. Let we cannot think negatively about Tormund Giant's Bane. We have to believe that yeah. Tormund Giant's Bane is going to make it out of this thing. What do you think about Braun shipping uh, Jamie and Brienne? Loved it. I thought that was great. It's like, oh yeah, you can feel it. Those two, those two want a bone. You know, they want to do okay. it. Let's make it happen. Uh, from, shipping them. Okay. From Dave Backer, Dave says, "So is the end of the episode the intended outcome of Arya's training all along? What do you think about that, Rob? Do you think that this is what Jack and Hagar wanted the whole time? Do you think that he wanted Arya to kill his second in command, learn all of these cool tricks, and ultimately not become a faceless man at all?" Hmm. I mean, it seems like a really long way to go to get to that. Yeah, I agree. Um, I think he's probably not furious with the outcome. I think that Jack and Hagar has fondness for Arya Stark. Yes. Uh, I think that, you know, they've been through a good amount together. I think that he has always seen potential in her. I think that he has seen what she has been through. Um, I think what he admires about her is her strength. Otherwise, he never would have taken her on. And I think at a certain point of getting to know somebody, sometimes you can tell when a thing just isn't working out and that doesn't make you a bad person and it doesn't make them a bad person. But I think Jack and Hagar in this moment with Arya kind of figures out, yeah, you're not faceless material, but you're still pretty cool. Go off and do your thing. You're released. No problems here. Have a good rest of your life. (laughs) Okay. Wow. Do you think we'll ever see Jack and Hagar again or do you think that's that? Mm, I think that maybe like we see somebody and then he like pulls his face off and it was like, oh, it was Jack and Hagar. They're just bailing you out of that trouble, Aria. Yeah, I mean, we're still... The, the, the theory is still out there. Like a Steve Buscemi at the end of uh, Billy Madison type moment. I'm glad I called that guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think the theory is still out there that everybody is Jack and Hagar. 
Uh, and until, yeah, every, wow. yeah, until proven otherwise, you should suspect that every single character on this show is Jack and Ingram. Okay, uh, let's take another question. This is from uh, Robert Miller. Since Arya is now no one, does that mean she is technically a faceless man? No, I don't think she's uh, no one at all. No, right? yeah, no one is dead. She killed no one. She's done with no one. She's straight up Arya now. Um, that's great. I'm okay. So wait. So I just want to get this right. So who is no one? No one. Yes. Who Who is no one? Yeah, that's right. No one. Okay. Is the waif no one? No, that's the waif. She was no one. Now she's no one. <laughs> Who's one one? <laughs> no one one. There's no one no one? one one. Okay. Uh, All right. Uh, Geek Furious. Was, uh, so you think this episode confirms that uh, D&D have given the writing duties down. of Arya's... Thumbs <laughs> what's down what's on this question. Okay. Geek Furious, you're so <laughs> mad. Get over it. The show is great. Love the show. So angry. All right. Really emphasizing the furious on that geek furious over there. Uh, Janine Curtis. Yeah. Janine Curtis says, I'm just glad they didn't go the fight club route. Uh, yeah, a lot of people wondering if the waif was an alternate personality of Arya Stark. I would have been real bummed about that. That just does not feel like a great direction for that story to go in. I mean, there were so many elaborate theories all over Reddit and YouTube uh, in the last seven days, and they were just all over the place, and they were just all wrong uh, between that Aria learned how, like, she had this elaborate, uh, you know, uh, like, uh, using the, uh, remember the thing that made the fart noises during uh, the play? Oh yeah! They took that thing, filled it with pig's blood, yeah. and that's how Arya was able to uh, get stabbed and live to tell the story about it. Oh my god! Listen, at the point where we're at on Game of Thrones right now, where Jon Snow was straight up dead for two episodes and then is brought back to life with magic, doesn't have to get much more elaborate than that. And I think things can be fairly straightforward, everyone. I think sometimes uh, we're falling into tra- uh, into traps uh, with this stuff. And I think that maybe part of the problem here is that in the books, I think that like th- those things are like are being set up in different ways. But I kind of feel like that the TV show is a much more straightforward shot. Occam's needle uh-huh. is uh, what's going on here. Yeah. It's- it's you know, you know the show the show swerves and twists and turns in its own way, but I do think oftentimes um, you know I don't think it's going out of its way to do like a big shocking reveal like that. Like I I think that Arya gets stabbed, Arya overcomes getting stabbed, and that's the story. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Uh, what about Natalie in Chicago? Natalie Natalie says, "Do you think that's a series wrap on Jack and Hagar? Would you be fine if we never saw his character again?" So we just talked about this for a hot second um, about whether or not we would see Jacken again. Would you be sad if we never saw Jack and Hagar again, Rob? Would that bum you out? Would it be a bummer to never see Jack and Hagar? <laughs> nope, it would not. I feel like I'm good with Jack and Hagar, and I am ready for Arya to do anything else besides pursue a career with the faceless men and women. Yeah. No, Jack and Hagar was awesome. Great character, is awesome. Faceless people. Faceless people. Jack and Agar is still alive. You know, he is still out there. You never know where that story could go. If it were me, I would say keep him on the bench. That's a good enough ending for that character. Uh, I don't think that there's really any strong need to bring him back into the proceedings. I think that you could leave Jack in there. I'm very fine if he just shows up in the finale. To take a final curtain call? 
Yes, yes. I, I, I'm hoping the finale, they bring all every character back for the finale, yeah. like the Seinfeld finale. Like everyone just gets to bow, uh, and it's all been uh, the stage, the play in Bravos the whole time. <laughs> yeah, that's the end. Yeah, I think that's, what that's the is. ending of Game of Thrones. Alex Kidwell, <laughs> okay. Alex Kidwell behind the scenes says, "Tom and Watch on a scale of Arya to Ali, how bad does he suck right now?" Oh come on, Arya being the best, I assume. Ali being, I Ollie mean, Tommen is just like uh, a little dumb idiot more so <laughs> than he sucks, right? Yeah, but he just completely outlawed trial by combat across the Seven Kingdoms. That sucks. Yeah. Trial by combat's awesome. Uh, those scenes are always great. So I'm annoyed about that. I'm definitely annoyed about that. Yeah. But I think Tommen is a kid who is easily manipulated and uh, is, you know, he's in a bad spot right now. I feel bad for Tommen. I feel bad for Tommen more than I hate Tommen, I would say. Yeah, I, I have uh, no ill will towards Tommen at this yeah. point. Bradley Huffer continues the question, says, whose idea was it to discontinue trial by combat? Was it Tommen, the High Sparrow, Marjorie? Uh, this feels, this reeks of High Sparrow to me. Uh, now, we know Marjorie has a plan. You don't think it could potentially be part of Marjorie's plan? I guess it could be part of Marjorie's plan. Um, but for Marjorie, wouldn't it be... Wouldn't it be advisable to go trial by combat? Because Loris is not, no, li- but no, Loris no, no, no. isn't likely to survive. Tyrells are a very rich house. They have the best lawyers in the Seven Kingdoms. They are going to get off on a technicality. And you think that their lawyers are better at lawyering than Loris Tyrell, the Knight of Flowers, would be at trial by combat against like one of these schmohawks on the Faith Militant? Oh uh, well, have you seen Loris Tyrell lately? He's really in no shape to fight. He's he hasn't exactly been, uh, you know, parrying around the uh, Faith Militant. We don't know what kind of workout routine he's been doing inside the cells. Like, well, maybe his upper body strength is really strong right now. Yeah, you're saying maybe he's been like curled up into a medicine ball yeah. and sort of just like uh, doing crunches himself. He is the medicine ball. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No, I think that uh, maybe, hopefully, it's, you know, something. You know, all hell breaks loose before we get to that point. But you think that this was a Marjorie plan? You don't think that this was a High Sparrow call? To me, it feels like this is what the High Sparrow does. He's like, oh, Cersei's going to use the mountain. We are taking trial by combat off the table. No, I agree. I think it's more likely the High Sparrow. And don't forget Kevin Lannister. I feel like that he's on board with all this stuff, too. Right. Because you saw, like, Pycelle was, like, right in Tommen's ear as Cersei walked in, like, whispering sweet nothings to him. So I think that the Pycelle and uh, Kevin Lannister thing, I think that they are really in support of what's going on with the High Sparrow because it hurts Cersei. I agree. All right. Uh, Josh, I think that's that's about it. We got any other Any other questions tonight? We got one, we got one, one more one. from Natalie. Another Natalie question. Uh, what was the point of the River Run story to give Jamie something to do to bring closure to the Blackfish? It seemed insignificant. Um, yeah, I kind of don't disagree. Well, I would say let's at least see where. I mean, if we go next week and, well, we might not see any of these characters, but if we come out of this episode 10, everybody's back home, and then that was it. I'd say, okay, maybe. But I don't think we necessarily know that this is it yet. And also, uh, you sort of introduced the hound into that story. So I don't think it was necessarily fruitless. Yeah, I guess. I mean, I feel like the hound is a side story, but maybe we just, you know, we weren't paying attention to that region of Westeros for a while. So that kind of, you know, reshifts our focus back into the river. Is it impossible that the hound would run into Brienne on the way back? No, not impossible. And I'd be really intrigued by that. I'd be really intrigued to see what that conversation is like for the hound to basically be like, yeah, you kicked the crap out of me. That was pretty spectacular. 
Uh, I'm fairly humbled by that. Let's go kick some White Walker ass. Love triangle. Brienne, Tormund, the Hound. Ooh, I like that. Um, Yeah. I feel like Tormund would be impressed by the Hound as well. (laughs) I think everybody would be. Okay. Uh, Tiffany Jane has one good one here. Was Danny's part of this episode from I Love Lucy? Lannister, I'm home. You got some splaining to yeah. do. Why is, why is my pyramid under siege right now? And Tyrion's like, Danny. Yeah. <laughs> I was just trying to run the city without you. Just yeah. <laughs> All right, uh, Josh, I got a couple of options for a hashtag. Uh, we've back row Cersei. Uh-huh. <laughs> uh, we've got uh, no one one. <laughs> no one and, one. Uh, Occam's needle. I like no I one like one. Too. Okay. Uh, what is that? N o w u n w u n. That would okay. be right. No one one. Direction? No one one. Okay. All right. There is no one one in this. All right. Episode. There you go. All right, uh, Josh. What's coming up next uh, this week? We will have our feedback show as always. Huzzah. We will be back. Feedback show. Game of Thrones feedback show is coming up. So get your voicemails in. Postshowrecaps.com slash voicemail or email us questions. G-O-T at postshowrecaps.com. We'll also have book club coming back up this week. We had a really fun, albeit late book club for the last episode, but we will have uh, a more timely book club this week. Very excited to get together with Terry and talk about everything that happened in this episode. Uh, so that's what's going on. Game of Thrones coverage continues yeah. apace. I checked out the book club this week, Josh. Yeah, because you're basically current. I'm basic. Right? Yes, that's right. You're ba- <laughs> basic. <laughs> uh, and so there you go. So uh, yeah, very, uh, very fun stuff. Lots of mega hype on the book club this season. Yeah, get mega hype, as Terry Schwartz would okay. say. All right, so then uh, that's going to do it for us here today. Special uh, thanks to Alex Kidwell behind the scenes. Of course, uh, you can subscribe to our Game of Thrones podcast. Don't miss any of the action. Battle of the Bastards uh, coming up next week. Fan- it's a fan favorite. Get get mega hype. Get mega hype. The Bastard Bowl is a thing. Yes, yes. Snowball is happening. Snowball. Next Sunday Snowball. night. Right. Uh, we will be live with uh, the post-show coverage of the Snowball next Sunday night. Uh, so uh, make sure you subscribe. Go to postshowrecaps.com slash GOT iTunes. Looking forward to reading your comments on postshowrecaps.com. Take care, everybody.